Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, a podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... Seth Patrick and James Hunt. We'll discuss the latest comic book movie and TV news before diving into our spoiler-filled discussion of Chris McKay's 2017 movie, The Lego Batman Movie. But before any of that, James, you're going to ask about a movie concept that, as someone who hasn't seen The Lego Movie, you don't understand. Yeah, what I want to know is, uh, like, what's the big fucking deal about The Lego Movie? (laughs) Seb, do you want to take this, or should I? Um, I mean, I guess anyone for whom bit being spoiled would be a problem has probably seen it by now, haven't they? Yeah, so spoilers can, can for the spoil Lego movie. the big reveal? Yeah. Um, so basically, I mean, the Lego movie, as it is, for its first, like, I can't, don't know at what point in the film the reveal comes. Is it about an hour in? At, at least an um, hour, yeah. For, for that period of time, it's a really fun, entertaining, clever enjoyable movie and i was you know it's it, it's not that i wasn't enjoying it up to the reveal because i think it's great up to that point but what tips it from being an enjoyable four star film into a five star film is the moment in the film when emmett the lead character voiced by chris pratt falls through a portal thing <clears throat> um, and lands on the floor of a basement and the film switches into live action and it turns out that the entire setting was in an actual Lego set being played with by a small boy, but it's a massive, enormous Lego setup in the basement created by his father, played by an actual... So an actual live-action Will Ferrell turns up, having voiced the villain throughout the film up to this point, Mm. and it turns out that he's a bloke who builds a load of Lego in his basement but won't let his son play with it because it's for display, not for playing with, and his son has gone down to the basement and has been playing with it, and it's just beautiful it's just um it's just like firstly just the moment when well first you have firstly you have the reveal of the live action and that's brilliant enough and you know as someone who likes grant morrison comics that was a pretty big moment for me then you have the moment where his dad comes down the stairs and you realize that it's will ferrell and that is so brilliantly played because you know he's got the same hairstyle and the the same suit as as president business and stuff um but then you have what follows from that, which is just really sweet and touching, which is, you know, essentially his dad learning that actually he should let him play with it and plays with him as well. And yeah. um, 
and then at the very very end um a load of uh, in when you're back in the lego movies world um a bunch of duplo characters turn up at the end because his little sister comes downstairs to play as well um <laughs> It's, so it's just so that that has totally ruined the movie for you. But as soon as you you know, it's been what three, four I'm, years, and you still haven't got. I mean, to I'm going to be honest. Knowing that makes me less likely to even watch it. I'll, I'll, okay, <laughs> then I'll build on what what Seb said to uh, to kind of give you an idea of why I think it's because I think it's a legitimate masterpiece, like one of the one of the flat out best movies of the past decade. And I mean, it's Lord and Miller, so the humor is. <laughs> so on point the ideas that are in there are insane um the world that it builds just inside of all of the lego stuff to begin with is brilliant so you've got great characters you've got some really funny stuff you've got some really um subversive stuff you've got great visual ideas of what you can do with lego um but what what i think is really interesting about it is yes this is a movie for a brand lego and you have characters from all of these different uh kind of lego franchises i guess so you have like you have your different movie characters turning up which is how batman's in there in the first place (laughs) um but the the final act with that reveal there is kind of the moment that it kind of builds to with the 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 stuff that's going on inside the lego world and outside the lego world um is basically the protagonist's so you've got Emma and President Business, Lord Business, inside the Lego world, and then you've got Will Ferrell and his son outside the Lego world. And essentially the understanding they come to, because the whole film is about these master builders who can build anything from everything and and kind of go, uh, don't need to go by the instructions, whereas this entire world is built on structure and instruct- and following the instructions up to that point, you get this really sweet ending where kind of every character realises that that there is no right and wrong way that you can build these amazing worlds by following the instructions but you can also go off and have fun on your own and it's just kind of a nice like really accepting mm. viewpoint like everyone's no one's viewpoint is incorrect um, <laughs> i mean that's a that's a nice idea but on the other hand nazis exist <laughs> In in the world of this movie, no no one's viewpoint is incorrect. Okay. Not in the world. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's basically it's, 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 it's talking about creativity essentially, mm. and it's talking yeah, about yeah, it's saying that there's the no rules to creativity. Yeah, okay. And I, t- I mean, it is it is kind of ironic that the film resulted in the creation of maybe more um, you know specific build Lego sets than have ever existed before. But. <laughs> But that's what I, mean. that's I think. That's, the point. <laughs> I, I think that's the lovely part of it that you know mm. that you have these rules and these guidelines that allow you to make these incredible things, but you can also throw them entirely out the window. And so, from Lego's point of view, it serves as an incredible ad for their brand, and there's no doubt about that. But the fact that the movie is is so sweet and has this 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 kind of lovely heart at the middle of it, but also has the madcap Lord Lord and Miller stuff in the middle of it i mean there's there's a character called benny who's a, who's an astronaut i was just gonna say who, one of the best characters is the is a 1980s space lego yeah. figure called benny who, and it's who Charlie just Day wants to build a spaceship <laughs> I, yeah he um, just spends the whole film like hoping that they'll come at a situation where he gets to build a spaceship to help out you can probably guess what happens towards the end uh, it does result in one of the greatest lego sets ever designed which i got that christmas yes i also spaceship i also <laughs> own the spaceship set <laughs> i mean what, what i'll say is like i will watch it 
and if I don't like it, I'll hold you two responsible. But also, That's like, fine. part of me feels like I won't enjoy it because, as well as being a you notorious hater of fun, uh, <laughs> I like I'm really aware of films that are trying to impart like emotional messages and it's why i don't really like the toy story films and it's why i don't like up like you know the start of up like everyone was like if you don't cry at the start of up you're a monster and when the guy's wife died i laughed out loud because it was such a hilarious shift in tone and i was just like oh i see Basically, the conclusion that we can draw from this is James is a robot and we've just lost all of our listeners. I'm so confused by that. What do you mean by films that impart an emotional message? I'm just just baffled by it. I I hadn't realised that you don't like the Toy Story films. You've probably mentioned it before, but I'm still taken aback. Do you mean films that elicit emotion? Films that are, like very aware of what emotional emotion they want to elicit and attempt to push your buttons in order to do so. But so James, essentially, you, you hate Steven too. Spielberg. Hey, I hate. Well, I'm not a big fan of Spielberg, but like, but, I don't but hate you love Terminator too, and huh? that's got an emotional. That's got an emotion eliciting moment at the end. Yeah, but you don't see me crying at it. Like basically, the, the first ten minutes of Up, like the first ten minutes of Up, are basically Pixar going, "We're going to use every trick in our book to make everyone cry," and like I was just so aware of it happening that I was completely out of it. Like I just was not there. Wow. Well, I tell you what, if nothing else, this this segment has given our listeners a better insight into the three of us. James, you are legitimately insane. <laughs> I can't sign off on any of that. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to talk about something we can all agree on? Yes. Okay, well, this is the later, this is the comic book movie and TV news section, and we... Um, we open up, as we seem to have done every week for the past couple of months, with Crisis at DC. Um, because, um, Except not the good kind of crisis. No, no kind of infinite crisis. It, 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 maybe it actually is. Maybe it is an infinite crisis. It's the most meta... Maybe, maybe it's final Meta storyline ever. <laughs> okay. So basically what happened, um, I spoke about this briefly on the mini-sode, but we have news to build on on top of that. Since we last recorded together, Ben Affleck is no longer the director of The Batman, which we're assuming the movie is called. Um, that we are unsure why that was. Um, it's, it's, it, I think it seems unlikely that it's due to the failure, box office failure of Live By Night, Ben Affleck's last movie, considering that I think he has he still has a lot of rope as a director. Um so I think this this might be kind of like a mutual decision with Ben Affleck possibly cooling on you know what what he can achieve in these Batman movies um and deciding he's going to step back and just be a producer and actor. Um and the new news is that Matt Reeves um who um most recently um you'll know from directing um uh which one was it it was Rise, no, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, wasn't it? <laughs> and now and now he's doing War of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, he also directed the Let the Right One In remake, Let Me In and Cloverfield, and started off his career um, co-creating Felicity with J.J. Abrams. So... What a pedigree. Yeah, well, so what, what do you guys think about Matt Reeves as a choice? Have you seen any of his other films? Are you a fan? And does he seem right for a Batman movie? Like, <laughs> I've I've only seen Cloverfield of those. Um, 
because I saw Rise but not Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Right. Uh, Dawn is very I, good. Was it? Was it very it's, good? It was okay. It's quite good. It's it's not quite as good, I think, as Rise, which is really good. But I thought Dawn was a was a was a yeah. good sequel at the very least. Yeah, it was okay. Like all of those films are okay. Hmm. Yeah, and he will probably. I imagine he will make another okay Batman film. It it just seems weird to me, and I know I I'm probably holding Batman to a higher standard here, but Batman seems like one of the, the, maybe the only one comic book character who I kind of expect to hear a prestige director attached to, and Affleck <laughs> did have that feel because he was coming <laughs> off um, Argo and its and its success at the box office. And personally, I really quite like the town, and Gone Baby Gone is incredible. So Affleck doing a Batman movie seemed like it had some prestige. And then when Affleck walked away, it, I, I don't think it ever had any real veracity, but there was talk about... Um, David Fincher potentially being someone that Affleck could convince <laughs> to come over to Batman, and there was rumours about Ridley Scott, which uh, he's it does, it, it's it just does Matt feel, Reeves feels yeah, so it feels weird having a, a director of a Batman film who you can't put their name in front of it and go Z Batman. Yes, it's that's like exactly you have what I mean. Tim Burton's Batman. You have for you know for for good or ill, you have Joel Schumacher's Batman, and you have. Christopher Nolan's Batman, and we would have had what I think we would have been able to to see as Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, but yeah, Matt Reeves's Batman doesn't really have that this, same. Like, I'm, to, all I can think is they've inten- either they've intentionally gone for like the blandest guy they can get because they're not going to get any kickback from that, or no one else would touch it, knowing what's going on at DC slash Warner at the moment. Well, this is the thing. It's it's this. I guess you know without knowing the reasons why Affleck's left makes it hard to know what the reasons are. Yeah, I mean, my, my feeling and is it, it might is be... is it the case that other people have turned it down because they've seen the reasons why Affleck left? My feeling is that based on what Affleck was saying before he quit, it might be that they want it turned around too quickly. Mm. Well, But then the interesting thing was the news that came with this hiring of a new director was kind of same as the Flash movie that this movie would get a page one rewrite which again I mean <laughs> this th- that seems it seems I mean in the Flash's case that was um, I thought disappointing um, but not entirely unexpected here we're all assuming that Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke is being teed up as the villain for this solo Batman movie there's new stories online this week about he's beginning his martial arts training for the film. So presumably he's still on board. And we also heard that after Ben Affleck's script that Chris Terrio, the Justice League writer, had um, had done a draft on top of Ben Affleck's script. So now to be going back to page one with Matt Reeves, this movie still doesn't have a release date either. So it could still be some way off. And this is this is Batman. This is the you know all respect to superman but in movie terms it doesn't get bigger than batman so this seems like this felt like the one that they had you know just sitting out there ben affleck was going to direct and star in a solo batman movie and that was the one that kind of felt like the anchor Mm. more than more than justice league does more than (laughs) anything else does um and if they can't get this right then they're in a whole heap of trouble yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, the, 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 this is the one that should be the easy home run, um, and you know, it's it's just. I mean, we could just go around in circles about all yeah. the same old <laughs> thoughts and uh, we've had about these problems before, but they just feel bereft of any direction at all. They don't know what they're doing. And I don't mean that in a, they are incompetent, they don't know what they're doing, although I, to an extent I believe that as well. I mean they seem <laughs> to not literally know what they want to do. Do you get the feeling that they've they've decided after the reaction to Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad, okay, we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot in a slightly different direction and that they've gone off and made, made Justice League and then but they're not entirely sure what they've pivoted to yet. All they know is they're not making movies like they were making before. Because that seems to be the message, you know, when we had Andrew Ellard on here and we were talking about the kind of the charm offensive and the PR push that we got with all that Justice League footage. And, you know, we've got The Rock coming out and saying, these DC movies are really going to change tones. Just wait until you see Shazam and Black Adam. And yeah, and, and at this point, it feels like it maybe has had too profound an effect on all the rest of the movies to the point that they're all having to completely reimagine what they are. I, I, the impression that I get, and you know, this people might call this an unfair prejudgment. Uh, I think what happened was in the early days of Justice League, they went, okay, this is the direction we're going to go in, uh, and I think now we're getting towards the closing stages of Justice League being made, and I think they're already concerned that it's a turd, and <laughs> that they cannot base their future direction around it. <laughs> That's the impression that I'm getting is that they have no confidence. And if they have no confidence in Justice League, bearing in mind the amount of confidence that they had in Batman v Superman, then that is worrying. Like, if it's so bad that even DC's execs think it's bad, you could then see that is a cause for concern. You could see the house this of is cards falling down at some you know. point, couldn't you? You know, well, if, if, yeah, just, if Justice just... League tanks, then you could see... I mean, because the the thing about Batman v Superman, although it did well at the box office, was that it was very front-loaded. Like, people mm. didn't keep turning up for that movie. Um, yeah. That might that might translate to Justice League box office. It might not. It might be a smash, because Suicide Squad was a smash. Um, but there is uh, there's definitely cause for concern. I should say, though, I I think I like Matt Reeves more than maybe I've let on so far. I... I I think all of his films are above average. I certainly uh, like him more than Zack Snyder. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. It could, you know, yeah, bearing in mind that there were petitions for Zack Snyder to do it. Um, that did that make, me made it easy to ignore, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see with the Batman. But surely from this point forward, it, it has to be good news for DC that comes out because I can't, I can't think of a film that. I mean, unless Aquaman suddenly like doesn't happen a week before production starts or whatever, <laughs> surely there's no more bad news that can come out at this point. <laughs> would Would Aquaman not happen in count as bad news? Oh, that looks <laughs> quite good. A to be fair. So far, yeah. That I, good. I, that's. I mean, that's one where they've got a they've got a proper successful director in place, and he's casting the movie, and the cast looks pretty good, and. If they get the but underwater effects better than they got them in Batman v Superman, we'll be all right. Everyone, like everyone involved with the film, keeps saying it's going to have a kind of romancing the stone vibe, which I'm there for. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 
I hope by that they mean just like casting Kathleen Turner. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we'll move on to our second piece of news now, and this isn't really news. Um, the news is that Legion premiered last week, and um, in, a, in an astounding turn of events, all three of us have watched the pilot. Um, so we're going to discuss briefly what we thought of the Legion pilot now. I imagine we'll probably come back to Legion later in the season, maybe with a bonus episode or something like that, because it feels like already a show that has has got some kind of grasp on the zeitgeist. So that's good news at the very least. Um, and we're going to go non-spoilery, right? Let, yeah, let's let's go non-spoilery. We, do, we don't want to, because I, I imagine there's probably still a lot of people out there who haven't watched it. Um, obviously, this is airing on FX in the US. It's airing on the Fox channel in the UK, um, if anyone wants to head out there and watch it. Um, Seb, should we, should, should we make our point first, or should we, try and, uh, should we try and get back into the head of James Hunt? <laughs> is this just going to be a repeat of the Lego Movie conversation? I actually, because I, be. I haven't, I haven't seen you say what you think of it yet. So I know what James thinks of it, and you know what I think of it, but I actually don't know what you think of it yet. Okay, um, so spoiler: I, Seb, Seb really likes it. James really didn't like really like it, and I, I think I'm a lot closer to Seb in that I thought the pilot was intriguing. I'm not sold on it, particularly because I thought there were things about the last five minutes that potentially <laughs> teed up a show that I that I was less interested in than the one I'd watched over the previous... <laughs> yeah. It's a 90-minute pilot, isn't it? So... Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I was intrigued by a lot of it. Um, the visual direction of the show seems... I mean, Noah Hawley's doing some crazy stuff. He's playing with time timelines and, you know, playing with, you, with the audience's grasp on what's reality and what's not reality. Um, Noah Hawley and- has basically seen a, a lot of Wes Anderson and uh, Charlie Kaufman and David Lynch and actually Zack Snyder films. <laughs> like that, that opening montage was Watchmen, totally Watchmen. And I don't, and I mean that in, as a compliment because you know I love that opening sequence of Watchmen. It's the best thing Zack Snyder. The opening done. sequence in this is great. Yeah. But it is Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a total rip of that. And throughout, it was just like, oh, that's a bit Wes Anderson. Oh, this is very Charlie Kaufman. And ah, it's a bit David Lynch there. It's just. And we get a French, and, and get a French New Wave dance number as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't necessarily mean that in a in a bad way because I think it's deliberately wearing the influences on its sleeve, and I think it's trying to, um, you know, be evocative of that kind of thing. But um, it does kind of, I think, maybe the a concern and. and James, I know this, we've talked about this as a concern that you have as well, is that I'd, like, I think the style of it is probably the best thing about it, and it's difficult to see that the show is going to be yeah. able to afford to look like that for the rest of the series. <laughs> like, and I think, Joe, I mean, what, what you were saying about the, the, the end seems to be setting up a different show, and I wonder if that show is going to be a bit less expensive than the visually imaginative. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the style of it is unsustainable across more than a couple of episodes. Like if they try and build an entire series, the way they built that first episode, it's just going to be completely impossible to follow or engage would, with. And you would get weary of, I mean, as much as I enjoyed yeah, that, it would be very, you'd get weary hard of to it keep over up with, 10 yeah. hours compared with a, you know, a two hour movie that <laughs> can get away with it. I, I think whether the, the, the specific style and the specific kind of, um, the way that it kind of jumps between realities and dreams and visions and memories and all that kind of stuff, um, whether that sustains all the way through the show. And I, I think it probably, 
I, I'd assume it'll become a little bit more coherent as it goes along. Having said that, I never really felt lost with this show. I just felt like I was one step behind. And there's a, there's a, there's one great little reveal moment in the middle of the episode that is like something that you latch on to, medi- to immediately and go, thank you. I feel like I'm now... I feel like I'm kind of now with you. Um, can I can I just ask of, you both on, a yes, question sorry. quickly? Because like my, if anything, my problem with it was that they didn't really set up the premise very well. And so, like, what do you think Legion's powers are? I I think it's I think the entire concept of the show is asking you, does this guy have powers? Um, and if he does, uh, yeah, I think I think that's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be wondering. See, I, did, I didn't see any ambiguity in whether he had powers or not, but I definitely mm. saw ambiguity in what they that's were. What they I think there's because, ambiguity yeah, in in his motives as well. I think there is. I think there's ambiguity in the central character. Because um, I, I I think there's um, yeah they've uh, there's obviously elements where it's pretty clear that he has uh, telepathy. Um. But he does seem to have other powers because the whole sequence went, I'm trying not to get too much into spoilers here, but stuff gets done with his powers that felt to me like what he has are sort of like reality-altering powers almost, sort of, you know, shifting things around. Um, So, you know, it's, I mean... I don't know a huge amount about Legion in the comics anyway. He kind of confuses me what I do know (laughs) of him. Um, But... Um, I gather that he has a bunch of different powers depending on which of his multiple personalities is in control at any given time. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's the case here um, because he does seem to have a few different powers in use at different well, see, times. Okay, this is something... But he also not doesn't necessarily seem to consciously use them, which is interesting. Like, anyway, sorry, go on. My... You know, when they said they were doing a Legion TV series, I was kind of like, okay, I, I can see that working. Um, like it kind of makes sense that he, you know, if you want to boil it down to a kind of, you know, episode of the week thing, like he, you know, has a different personality with a different power and you can build stories around which one comes out at a given time. But what they actually did was they've retained nothing from the comics at all beyond his name and the concept of mutancy, which they didn't really explain either. So like the but thing, but it's, it's well, the out thing I d- there, you know. Yeah, it's, but like I, the, and, and this is the fir- this is the first episode, and the first episode doesn't, you know. It seems to me like, especially given the nature of this show, it's not it's not able to do that much world building. So I think you have to give it time. In in regards well, to that this is just that. like the thing that means I'm probably not going to bother watching the rest. Is why why adapt a concept if you're just going to check out almost everything. Like this could have been this could have been a non X Men show and it would have been the same show. Mm. Can I can I throw an an X Men related curveball though, James? Because there's something that I wonder about this, and maybe it's why the sort of this thing about the reality altering powers kind of popped into my head. Yeah. Which is, do you remember in Ultimate X Men mm-hmm. um, where Proteus was basically an amalgamation of Legion and Proteus because yeah. He was called David, and he was Professor X's son with Moira. And I wonder if that's where they're going with it, if actually they've taken a bit more of Proteus and the ultimate version of Proteus, even though he's a baddie in that. I feel like maybe they 
they've taken David Xavier from um, from Ultimate Marvel rather than um, the um, the one from David Haller. Um, is yeah. it is it David Haller? Yeah, rather than is it New Mutants that he first appeared in? I, know uh, I think it was New Mutants. It was that yeah. sort of eighties X Men. Yeah. yeah. What do you yeah. think, James? Is that possible? It's possible, but again, I don't like. Just I, if <laughs> if all you would have to do is change literally three words in the entire script to divorce it completely from the concept of X-Men, I think you're not making an adaptation and it's... But like, do you not think that the, it's, towards, towards the end it much more strongly sets it in an X-Men type world? Because it, it yes. feels to me X-Men, like it's, yeah. in a, it's in a world that's somewhere between where the X-Men films are now and where they're going to with Logan. Because what the end makes clear is that there's like a full-on war against mutants yeah, going but on. Did anyone see Mutant X? here no same deal like notionally (laughs) an x-men tv show but actually legally distinct from again because i think the because i think the stuff that seems more mutant-y and x-men-y comes towards the end of the episode that's another reason why i would give it time i think it's notable that it saves the title card until right at the end which has the x in the o of legion Mm. like it felt to me like it was whoa last 10 minutes what's happening this show seems like it's changing because i could imagine a lot of people watching this show and not knowing it has anything to do with x-men and then the title Mm. card comes up and you go ah okay um but also i think this comes back to me as well yes this is this is based on a comic book which is why we are talking (laughs) no no it isn't though but it it (laughs) is because that's the source material they've chosen to adapt whether they've chosen to adapt it so much that it is almost unrecognizable and i don't know whether i care like it can become more x-many it can become less x-many and (laughs) it can't there's no way good but as long as the show is good i'm not sure it matters there's no no way it could become less (laughs) x-many I think I would prefer for people, especially people like Noah Hawley working in TV, to look at a comic book and that spark an idea in his head and him to go off and create a show that looks like this more than I would like someone to look at a comic book and go, okay, now let's go make Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or okay, let's go make... Let's go make um, I don't know, like... Um, I'm quite looking forward to them, but Runaways, Cloak and Dagger, I imagine are probably going to be fairly standard comic book kind of fare. Like, I, if someone goes, this comic book has given me a great idea and I'm going to take some of the core tenets of it and I'm going to change everything else, um, that's that's fine by me, as long as it's good. Yeah, yeah and I mean, this may be where, where James and I differ, but, you know, I'm because I'm not as big an X-Men fan, I'm, I'm not watching Legion because it's purportedly based on an X-Men comic. I'm watching it because it's a Noah Hawley show. And I, you know, hmm. Fargo is one of my favourite shows of the last however many years. And, and let's not spoil Fargo, Seb, but the, because there's no need. But what you watch the first, you know, you watch the first four or five episodes of Fargo and think... This isn't Fargo because it isn't the story of Fargo, but they kind of, that character is kind of like that other character, and that character is kind of like they fit that archetype, and it has a kind of it kind of kind of has a similar tone. Oh, I mean the 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 Fargo show, like I I mean, and again, like I I was so skeptical about that series yeah, before it started yeah. because like I loved the movie so much. The way that the show. I mean, while going in some completely different directions, especially in the second season, but in the second season it was allowed to because the first season had established its own tone. Mm. But the way that it captured the feel 
Um, like I even thought until I went back and checked, you know, I, I thought that the music was the same. It did such a good job of being so similar to Carter Burwell's original score that I actually thought they had used the same theme, but they didn't. And just the feel of it and the mixture of the black humour with the yeah. violence and just the characters. Just like that, that show just, it, I mean, as I say, after the first few episodes, I think it really deviated, but I think it needed those first few episodes to establish that it was in the same world. And then it really went off and did its own thing. But, so, so um, my just, my point yeah. there is that if if Legion does end up having nothing to do in terms of like the the actual similarity of the character or the the uh, the like actually saying words like mutants and name checking Professor X and this and that and the other, if Legion ends up being like that but kind of feels like an X Men show, is that enough, James? No, I mean unless <laughs> basically, I think it's very well made. And if it was its completely own thing, I might even watch it. But the fact that it's got this notional connection to X-Men but not isn't actually representing it is too annoying for me to (laughs) sit through anymore. Like, if the next episode is full of Sentinels and, like, the (laughs) Brotherhood of Evil Mutants turns up, then I'll be back on board. I just want to tell... I I, I want to make up a different version of Legion each week and just tell James which X-Men stuff's in it. We should, Um, should, like, Photoshop some Sentinels into the background. Yeah, it's like week three, Quentin Quire turns Like, genuinely, I think it was very well made and I think it'll probably be a great show, but I'm just not going anywhere near it. I also did just want to get in, like, while while I think that's a nice final word, James. I think Dan Stevens is brilliant yeah. in it, and like, I've not really seen him in anything because I didn't see him in that film that everyone goes on about, and I've never watched Downton. And I would not, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And I would not have anticipated that somebody from Downton would be like that <laughs> in a thing. But he's immense. I got well, to actually, interview him before, once. And he was at the center of that. Yeah, I got to interview him once, and he was very nice, and I told him that he had dreamy eyes. <laughs> I was surprised by how much I guys. didn't like Aubrey Plaza in it because I was like, I think she's great yeah. normally, and I was like, mm. ah, but do you think she's great normally? Because the thing about Aubrey Plaza is, I I do think that in theory Aubrey Plaza is fantastic, but aside from Parks and Rec, she's not usually either she's in bad things or she's not that great in good things. <laughs> I mean, she's, I've not seen this, Rex, this so. and this and Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> she is a, like Aubrey Plaza as a personality is like very appealing and seeing her playing what seems like a very close version of herself in Parks and Rec is great as an actress she's not got tremendous range um mm. but, <laughs> that's prob- uh, that may be the problem here yeah um but I, I, and it, it'll be interesting to see Aubrey Plaza and most of the rest of the cast to be honest how much they mm. show up I mean, and, I... and who like it as well who's real and who's not real because the show didn't really hugely get into that but there's I I, I, I watched the entire show thinking like it, that Dan Stevens at times could just be sat in a room on his own and no one else is yeah real. there were a couple of scenes that I felt like uh, yeah it's like are there actually people here or is this actually in his head and it's constantly messing with your expectations yeah um and the Aubrey Plaza, I think without spoiling anything, Aubrey Plaza figures into those expectations shifting maybe three or four times during the course of the uh, pilot episode. Yeah. But yeah, so Seb and I will almost certainly continue watching this. James, when we lie to him about Sentinels in episode two, will continue. And hopefully we will be able to bring you a full Legion episode. Oh man, imagine if Sentinels actually do turn up in episode two. <laughs> Is it too late to write to Noah Hawley and well, ask him to put some in? We'll never be able to convince James at this point, even if they do. <laughs> 
Okay, um, well, so that was the comic book movie and TV news and discussion of Legion section. Um, we'll move on now to our f- spoiler-filled discussion of the Lego Batman movie. But before we do, let's take a listen to um, a trailer for the film. I should have known better than to sneak up on you like that. Were you looking at the old family pictures again? No, I wasn't. Sir, I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997 and 1995 and 1992 and 1989 and that weird one in 1966. I have aged phenomenally. Do you want to talk about how you're feeling? What? No! I we're not Alfred. What did I say? A B R. Always be recording. Okay, so that was a bit of the Lego Batman movie, and um, yeah, we normally do for new releases a spoiler-filled section, a spoiler-free section before our spoiler-filled chat. Um, that didn't feel as appropriate for the Batman, for the Lego Batman movie, so we skipped it. Um, and we're just going to go straight into the chat. And I think the best place to start is just basically qualifying for the listeners where we stand on this movie in terms of like, dislike still. Because um, I was surprised by my reaction to it. Um, I was um, less surprised by um, James's reaction to it. <laughs> <laughs> so if we, if we just go around the table, you know, vague thoughts on the Lego Batman movie. Did we like it? Did we dislike it? It's a very it? safe space. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's not as good as the Lego movie. It's, it's, it's not doing a lot of the same things that the Lego movie did. Um, but, um, you know, pretty much from the outset, it was making me laugh fairly relentlessly. Uh, it doesn't sustain that for the entirety of the film. I think there are points at which the laughs sag. I think there are then points where it pulls it back. Um, there's a sequence, there's the sequence quite early on, which unfortunately had already been in the trailers, but is actually funnier in the film because of the way it's extended. Basically the whole coming home lobster sequence, um, you know, stuff like that is just so on point for me and made me laugh a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not really got a story. Um, it's really just a load of jokes about Batman and about superheroes and stuff flung together but they're mostly good jokes, so I was really entertained for most of the running time. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> James. <sighs> you, took your, um, you took your small child to see this film, didn't yes, you? Yes, I went to see this with my three-year-old daughter. Uh, and uh, What did she think of it? I, I, do you want me to play you some audio I recorded of us talking about it? Oh, yes, this is fantastic. <laughs> Oh. I will play it now. Hopefully, okay. It's, it's two minutes long, and that includes That's... some stuff about ice cream. 
<laughs> Fantastic. That that was that's the bit I'm looking forward to the most. Emmy, did you go to the cinema today? I come with you. Yeah. What what film did you see at the cinema? Hey. Eh? And what was your favourite part? The Bugman. The Bugman part? Yeah. Did you like anything else about it? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Did you like the Joker? Yes, 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 Did you like Batgirl? Yes, 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 Who did you think was the funniest character? I agree with everything she's saying up to this point. <laughs> yeah, it's strong, and strong review. Did you like Commissioner Gordon? Yes. <laughs> ah, see, I thought he was, was a bit nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> Emmy, Emmy, did you like the Smarties most? Yes. Say, I like the Smarties. Um, I want to get chocolate ice cream. <laughs> but you asked for Smarties. No. <laughs> you did. You put them in your scoop, remember? I want any. Okay, we'll have chocolate ice cream next time, okay? So there you go. Look, I think she wanted chocolate ice cream. I think Emmy's enthusiasm is something that you could learn from. And I think in future we need to have Emmy on this podcast rather than you. Uh, I bet Emmy so, would not we'll be so dismissive of movies' attempts to make her feel emotions. Like I, I was impressed that she picked up the character names because yeah. I struggled with that. I mean, I'm not sure on her Alfred love, but the Robin. Oh no, I was, I, that was the point at which I agreed with her the most. <laughs> <laughs> um, James, did you like it as much as Emmy? No, no. I was going to say I would go so far as to say that anyone who sees this film without a child in tow is an open masochist. <laughs> Does it count if the cinema was otherwise full of children being annoying? No. Uh, okay. Yeah, I went on my own. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, Laura was away for the ba- weekend, like, basically, so I, I had to go on my own. I don't think it's a bad film. I think it is a fine children's film, but I think, like, just aesthetically and, what, in terms of how it was written and presented, I just could not bring myself to enjoy more than about three seconds of it. <laughs> like there were some, I, I there were some believe, jokes. I refuse there was, to believe that like only three seconds worth of jokes made you laugh. There must have been more than that. that made I you. laughed literally once every twenty minutes. It's not sixty minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's at least four jokes. <laughs> I mean, it just so, the so much of it was seemed aimed at either sort of. Like, this is a deeper criticism than what I thought of it, but, like, basically I felt like there were two strands. There were the bits that were aimed at kids, which were basically a toy advert, and there were bits that were aimed at adults, which children had no hope of understanding. 
and yeah. I didn't enjoy either half. I mean, I th- I, th- I think there's a, v- a valid criticism in that not much of the humour is universal. Um, and it's something that, I, th- I mean, I think actually, I think it's something that Lego Movie did better. Um, you know, a lot of the best jokes in Lego Movie are silly jokes and, you know, even slapstick and that kind of thing. Um, and I think are jokes that that work on multiple levels, and it's you know it's why Pixar films are so good, unless you're James. In that it's not, I mean you know there are jokes. or unless they were made in the past five years. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know there are jokes that are that occasionally will go over the kids' heads, but equally there are jokes that kids and adults will laugh at because they're just funny jokes um, that you don't. There's there's not something that you have to get. It's just they're funny. Yeah. And this film didn't really have that. Like the bits that made me laugh, almost all of them were, I'm laughing because I get what joke they're making here. And I, I would not think that a kid watching it... I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know if this works as a kid's film, but I can't imagine it really doing so because i don't know what it i mean it's just well other than being you know a big loud explosion of action but like it doesn't seem to me like something that works brilliantly as a film that will really engage kids um it seemed more to be aimed at people like me who like batman and enjoyed sitting there watching a fun deconstruction of batman for 90 minutes Uh, (laughs) uh, right okay so um I'm going to be the grump again, um, because when James said he thought it was a good movie, I disagreed. Um, and for the second week in a row, I'm going to bring up the Simpsons movie in um, in comparison to what we're discussing here. Because I saw, um, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Graham Linehan on Twitter tweet something along the lines of, I feel like the people saying they like the Lego Batman movie are the same people who said they liked the Simpsons movie when it came out in cinemas. <laughs> Um, and I can kind of see what he meant there because when I went to see the, the Simpsons movie in cinemas, I watched the first 20 minutes and thought, oh, this is like a good Simpsons episode. And it had a couple of things in there that I really liked. You know, it had Spider-Pig was really funny and Homer was on good, for, good form. And it, it had the kind of, it had the rapidity of jokes that I, that I needed from a Simpsons movie. Um Ten years on, I can barely remember anything in that film aside from Spider Pig, and my experience of watching the Lego Batman movie was uh, walking in there hugely excited, watching the kind of the opening sequence with Batman narrating the um, the studio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Goes and like laughing out loud in the first five seconds of a film, really enjoying the first 20 minutes. And then kind of realizing about 20 minutes later, huh, I'm not I'm not enjoying this as much as I was. <laughs> and by the end of the film, going, Oh god, this is bad. This is this is real bad. Um I've not laughed for a solid like 45 minutes at this point. And I think basically they expend all of their material in terms of a Lego Batman movie in the first 20 minutes. It's got the fun deconstruction stuff about Batman. It's got uh, kind of building on the the gags of Will Arnett as a very conceited, egocentric Batman from the Lego movie. Um, It's got all the Batman villains in it. It's doing fun stuff with the idea of Gotham City in a kind of madcap Lego world. Um... And then the kind of the introduction of Robin stuff is fun, and that's I, I think I think that's that's about the point that I start sliding away from the movie, especially after they've been to the Fortress of Solitude, and it just became when when you talk when we talk about jokes beyond that first kind of twenty minutes half an hour for me it just became reference humor like mm-hmm. oh you know the other thing right. You know, that other thing, like, there's a Jim Carter joke in this movie. Like, I kind of laughed when I heard the reference Jim Carter, but that's not a joke. That's just, that's Peter K humour. Hey, remember that thing that you like? Do you remember that thing? that Gremlins. Hey, I mean, all the parents in the part, 80s, yeah, they went to see my, Gremlins, didn't they? Part of my problem not, with it that's was... That's not funny. It's like an episode of Family Guy. Like, you're just telling me things that I know about already and assuming that I think they're funny just because you've mentioned them like, and put them in a, in a zany situation. There, I can't remember any specifically, but there were bits of this film where I was like, that was a reference and I didn't get it. Yeah. So I haven't yeah. laughed. But, there was, but that's what I mean. I felt like the jokes beyond that first half hour... They weren't even Batman-centric. I mean, we they remove all of the Batman villains. They have every Batman villain ever in here, and in the first 30 minutes, dismiss them and go, we're going to bring in Sauron and, I imagine, to Seb's immense pleasure, Daleks and oh, Gremlins yeah, and British, British King robots. Kong and Godzilla. Yeah, Br- British robots. They're, they're, yes. they're, not, they're not Daleks. There's a, there's a whole <laughs> no. interesting rights thing over that. No, they, they were... So, so I, I actually read about this. The director said they were signed off by the BBC and they thought it would be funnier to have the Joker mispronounce Sauron and Voldemort and call them British robots because he didn't actually know who they were because he's a conceited villain who only really knows <laughs> uh, about I did the, not the, get the that Batman joke. <laughs> no, well, I didn't because I spe- I, in the film itself I was going, he just said Sauron wrong. Like, how has he said Sauron wrong in a <laughs> in a movie made by Warner Brothers? Um, who also make the Lord of the Rings films. Um, 
And yeah, so I, I, I mean, I ended well, up while you're really... Voldemort, is it not really weird that Voldemort is in this film not playing yes. Voldemort? <laughs> yeah, Ray Fiennes do it. <laughs> Apparently they also considered that. They also considered Ray Fiennes voicing Voldemort, but they thought it could potentially be too confusing. Whereas I think if this was Lord and Miller making the ba- Lego Batman movie, they would have lent into that. They would have lent into how weird it was. And it's like, are you not just doing... Like, we sound very similar. Like, is that, that, that would be a joke that they would have made. Um, this I kept feeling like they were veering away from more interesting stuff like you've got Batman who himself is a brand and they're referencing the kind of the previous iterations of Batman throughout the years and I thought they were potentially going to get into this like this this kind of like like the Lego movie does this kind of exploration of Batman as a brand and the fact that he's selling stuff to you. And I thought they could have done jokes about, like, you know, like the Batman credit card in <laughs> in Batman and Robin and stuff like that. And really lean into the idea of um, Batman as commerce. Um, and they don't they don't go anywhere near that. After kind of after I felt like they've really set up some of that stuff in the first 20 minutes. And I... the, the first 20 minutes seems to do some interesting Batman exploration that it never gets back to again. Can I? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a counterpoint to this because I think there is an area that it does an interesting bit of Batman exploration, which, yeah. like, and I actually think it's the first Batman movie or TV show or whatever. Well, maybe the cartoon did at some point. I don't know because I haven't watched it all. Um, <laughs> there's there is a constant conflict within Batman, and there has been ever since pretty much probably the 60s um batman is a character who fundamentally should work best and believes that he works best on his own but actually in practice batman always works best when there is a bat family um like the the bat family is one of the things that that makes batman so good as a setup and has helped batman to endure down the years and it's one of the reasons why the current run on detective comics is so good because it's all about all of those characters um and i like that this you know by by taking by starting with the comedic point of batman is egotistical and believes that he's amazing and doesn't need anybody else and that has put him in a situation where he's a loner coupled with the fact that actually he's terrified of having another family and losing them again also makes him a loner because that is that literally happened in the comics you've read death in the family and Mm. after death in the family in the comics batman goes through a period of time where he's like right that's it never again there's never going to be another robin um i'm only ever going to work on my own forever from now on and gets to a point where he just goes completely dark and mental and insane. And Tim Drake comes along and says, look, I've been watching you for a while. You quite clearly need a Robin. You need Dick Grayson to come back and be Robin again. Um, you know, so I like that it it put Batman in... It, it took that element of Batman, that thing of I work best alone, made a joke out of it, but then also did make it the, the premise of the second half of the film yeah, of him I, learning I'm... that he needs those people around him. He needs the Bat family. And it turns out it ends up being an origin story for the Bat family. And I liked that. It, 
in one respect, I'm glad you brought that up because that was entirely what I did want to discuss next after after explaining that I broadly didn't like the movie. <laughs> and, and I'm also displeased that you brought it up because I wanted to be the one who brought it up as my kind of <laughs> counterpoint of something that I did like to make me sound like less of a monster. Um, but yes, that's that's essentially what the film's about. And when I was watching the film and seeing the Bat, Bat Family stuff going on, I thought... This is an interesting through line. This is something that they've stuck to start to finish in the movie, um, which few of the stuff that they that they look at in the first twenty minutes is really is really a, a full through line. Um, the Bat Family is clearly the story that they wanted to tell here, and I was sat there thinking, I can't wait for the discussion that I have with Seven James about the Bat Family <laughs> because I imagine it's going to be much more in depth than the movie gets than the movie gets into because the movie essentially goes, Batman is upset that he doesn't have a family. And so the the thing that he's scared of now is being attached to people and forming relationships with people because he's scared of losing them um, in a, in a, in a, in a family friendly way, not in let's dwell on how his parents are dead or how the Joker beat a Robin to death um, <laughs> in a, in a, Hey, Batman would quite like a family, but he's kind of scared of that. And they do do a really good job at that. I think um, that's, that's the one area of the film that I would say is an unqualified success um, even if it is just kind of repeating the same beat over and over again throughout the film. I mean, I don't I'm... want a family. I don't want a family. I don't want a family. Okay, here's my family. I would say, like, I enjoyed that as well. And partly because, th- like, this is a discussion for later in the podcast sort of future. But Christopher Nolan spent a lot of time saying how dumb he thinks Robin is. And then yeah. he made three films, the ultimate point of which was to show exactly why Batman needs Robin because his version of Batman ends up sort of like insane and dead because he doesn't have a Robin. And so, yeah, yeah, like the Lego Batman film, I like that it lent into that and was, was saying like, actually there is a good reason for Robin to be around in the franchise and it's not all like stupid gay jokes like you make. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I I actually did like as well that they didn't really... I thought they were making kind of weird homoerotic jokes with Batman and the Joker, but I don't I don't think they were. I think that was... They were... It was more... It was more kind of playing on the kind of rom-com beats, I think, with, you know, with him watching stuff like uh, Jerry Maguire in there. Yeah, although um, I think they sort of were doing it, but they were doing it in a more Freudian, analytical way than a homophobic way. Yeah, there was no kind of gay panic there or anything like yeah, that, no. which yeah. with, a, with a Will Arnett character, given his Arrested <laughs> Development past, would be very, a very easy uh, road to run down. Um, but what you what you say about the Chris Nolan films are interesting, is interesting there, James. Um, particularly because I saw a lot, I've seen a lot of people saying, this is the Batman movie we need right now. It's great. This is, this is a perfect reaction to Batman v Superman or whatever. And I spent the entire film going... No, this is the Batman movie we needed in about 2011, 2012, when the DC Universe was setting up. Because <laughs> this is, for all the references to other to the other versions of Batman, this is Christian Bale's Batman. This is a parody of Christian Bale's Batman. Mm-hmm. The, most of the stuff in here is a parody of the Christopher Nolan 
Batman films. Can I just I say think. that I laughed every single time Bane spoke. I thought Bane yes. was brilliant. <laughs> the fact that the design was a mixture of comics Bane and, but he had the coat and the voice of the Christopher Nolan <laughs> Bane, and just mm. every he only got a few lines, but I laughed at every single one. <laughs> Yeah, that was Doug Benson, by the way, popular podcaster uh-huh. Doug Benson doing that voice. Um, uh, uh, my other, my other favourite, just in terms of design, was Clayface. I thought they did a real good Lego Clayface. Mm. Um, uh, we'll get into the rest of the villains in a bit, um, but yeah, do, do you agree with me that this feels like more of a response to the Nolan films, yeah, and like- almost, and almost like that if this movie had have come out. In bit, uh, kind of around the same time as Man of Steel, and reminded us that there was that there were different aspects to Batman than just what Christopher Nolan had done. I would, maybe like, we wouldn't have got like a Christopher Nolan light version of Batman in Batman v Superman. I was I was pleased to hear you use the word parody because that was the word that I spent the whole film going like this isn't Batman, this is a parody of Batman. Yeah, and I think that is a negative thing in the context of a children's film because to parody something it sort of requires you to understand the source material that it's referencing and like no kids watching that film or I would hope no kid is watching this film having seen the the Nolan films no and like it, it kind of it harms, it harms the depictions and but what what I like is that you know, this film has an approach that in some ways is not dissimilar to the Grant Morrison approach to Batman. I have have made this comparison already, but it's the... Because the thing about Batman is, and again, I'm sure we've talked about this before, um, there are so many different interpretations of Batman, and in their own way, they are all valid. But it's really difficult to reconcile them all. And what I like about this film is that it basically takes an it's all true approach to Batman like this is yeah this is canonically yeah. within this story even though it can't be um this is this is a Batman who has lived through all of the Batman films and by implication all of the Batman comics um and you know I like that because I think a character like Batman can potentially sometimes be confusing to kids if you've got all of these different versions. Although, actually, maybe I'm I'm underselling kids there because, really, when you're a kid, you read stuff like this and you take it all in your stride. I still remember that one of the first DC comics I ever read was issue 11 of, of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, <laughs> don't ask me how I understood anything that happened in that issue, but you do. You pick stuff up when you're a kid. But the point is, you know, okay, it's, it's true that they wouldn't necessarily recognise specifically what's being parodied but equally if you've seen all these different versions of Batman and you've gone well hang on is that Batman or what's that or what's that I like that this film just basically goes yep they are all Batman there is no one version of Batman that is correct above all of the others um, because they are all Batman can I ask a very nerdy question that just this is probably something that bothered me and no one else (laughs) so uh, this is this is for you specifically said because James hasn't seen the Lego movie but I was watching this movie going, is this in continuity with the Lego <laughs> movie where we first saw Will Arnett's Batman? Because we have um, Channing Tatum still voicing Superman and we have Jonah, Jonah Hill still voicing Green Lantern. Um, and I was confused when Batman wasn't invited to Superman's party that Green Lantern would have been invited to Superman's <laughs> party. Right? Right? 
But they did still play the, like, they still had, there was a line, Green Lantern says something about, oh, sometimes Superman never reads my emails. And so they they still had that dynamic from um, Lego Batman movie. So Um, so, so you think think it is... No, I I think it is as much in continuity with the Lego movie as it is (laughs) with every other Batman movie. (laughs) So it's it's thematically in continuity with it. I don't think you can directly leap from the what happens to the character of Batman in the Lego Batman not least because i think one of the things about this is like in the Lego movie like Batman is the way that he portrays himself whereas mm. in this he's kind of not really like he's not actually as awesome as he presents himself um i did think it was uh, it, it i, I I didn't know whether this was the film paying lip service to the idea that these Lego movies exist in some kind of shared universe, that they made that point about Gotham living above some kind of, uh, being like just above some kind of void. Mm, and I wonder whether yeah, that I was like that the was void the like in the Lego movie. It, yeah. And so then the idea is uh, if you, if you want to be um, a nerd like me, watch these movies and just go, okay, so I imagine that all of this is still being orchestrated by some kid. That if we just, well, if we just, Every, it should be kind of like the kid's idea of what yeah. Batman is, this is and, and, and it could be that Batman this is a different cool. kid so it's got some elements yeah. in common but some elements different this is a different kid playing with a Batman Lego set mm. in, and, it, and okay. in a sense it is because it's Seth Graham Smith instead of um, Lord and Miller playing with it yeah I, was, I mean, Steph Graham Smith, um, who was writing and directing the Flash movie at one point, um, this, <laughs> after seeing this and like in terms of a screenplay, I mean, this film doesn't have one. Like I said, the, the, there aren't really any, beyond the first 20 minutes, there aren't any real cleverly constructed jokes or anything. I do feel like it does devolve into a reference fest. And the only You're basically fun comparing that, it to a, a Friedberg and Seltzer film. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Like, but like I said, the the thing that kept coming up in my head was like Family Guy or Peter Kay. Like Robot Chicken that. was the thing that I kept comparing it to. I mean, I, Which, I, I, I'm I, sure I like Robot Chris, Chicken, but that works best in like fifteen second chunks. Chris Chris, Chris, Chris McKay, McKay comes from Robot, Robot Chicken. Chicken. Yeah, there, there you go. Then okay. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, and I I just felt like it as well. I wanted a Lego Batman movie, which I got for half an hour, and then I got a Lego Dimensions movie. I don't know if you guys watch this in cinemas, but the advert well, for Lego Dimensions... <laughs> Lego, Lego Dimensions, the trailer for that game was on the screen before the film started. And it's like, oh, here's the new Batman ad on set. And, you know, so you can have Batman playing with the Ghostbusters or whatever, or all these different Bat to the Future and all these different franchises that Lego have the IP for. Um that's what the second half of this movie is. And I found it so frustrating that it introduced all of these Batman villains. And, like, you look down the um, IMDb page for this, so you've got um, beyond Zach Galifianakis as a Joker, who obviously does get the time and attention here. You've got Jenny Slate voicing Harley Quinn, Jason Manzoukas as Scarecrow, Conan O'Brien as the Riddler, <laughs> Billy D. Williams as Two-Face, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Kate Micucci as Clayface, Ricky Lindholm as Poison Ivy, Eddie Izzard, well, Eddie Izzard as Voldemort, but that's, that's, be- that's, the, that's all of the Batman villains in here who they actually cast, like, legitimate 
funny there's a lot, people. There's a lot of wasted voices in this. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't remember Scarecrow saying anything, and I love Jason Manzukis. I can't I, remember Two Face saying anything. And Mariah Carey was the mayor. I didn't catch that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, got, I, got oh, Rosario, I got Rosario waste... Dawson and Ellie Kemper. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty sure that. Yeah, I, I heard Ellie Kemper's voice, and I was like, "Oh, that's Ellie Kemper." And actually, Ellie Kemper was one of the few who was playing an Ellie Kemperish character. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, she was you playing could a, see why they got her. To she was playing a floating brick yes. who got more lines than most of the characters Joe just mentioned. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, apart, apart from a couple, I mean, it's pretty much only those two, Arnett, Michael Cera, Ray Fiennes, who their voices actually do anything with the characters because I mean, they're the only ones who get enough the, lines of dialogue for it. Even the ones that do get lines of dialogue. I mean, like I was at Will Arnett and Michael Serra are both fantastic. Rosario Dawson, um, I would like for her to get roles where she isn't just, you know, the slightly kind of like... Having to roll her eyes at the men. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, and, and she does get to have a bit of fun towards the end, but there still is a bit of eye-rolling, which is a shame. But yeah, I, I, I thought all of those were good and Ray Fiennes... Um, showing that he can do comedic stuff um, well again, like he proved, you know, infinitely with the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, but yeah, I thought Zach Galifianakis was weak as hell as the Joker. Like the Joker didn't have any real personality. Or... I think the Joker was probably my least favorite aspect of the film. Like yeah. a combination yeah. of yeah, the voice was just nothingy. I really don't like the design. I don't understand why Lego Joker has fangs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah. I talked on our Mask of the Phantasm about how I don't really like the design of Batman animated Joker. I like this design even less. Like it just, and it just didn't have that, you know, ridiculous insanity that, especially if you're doing an animated Joker, you can. I mean, go that, read, yeah, that's and, you know, the thing I, that you know, you can go Mark Hamill style, surely. That's the but. thing that I didn't really get about this version of the Joker was that he didn't seem to have any of the Joker's qualities. Like, no. aside from being obsessed with Batman, which is a kind of very generic thing in the comics anyway. Like, he just... He didn't have the, any of the unpredictability or the insanity or the menace. In fact, it, like I thought they were going to make a joke about the about how the Joker always wants to get locked up with the other villains, mm-hmm. or like you know that that's part of his plan is that he wants to get locked up again. <laughs> that would be that would be a joke about the Nolan movies, and would be a joke about a particular type of trope in these kind of mm-hmm. movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that that doesn't happen. Like the Joker is entirely predictable in this movie. And I just, I in my head, I was feeling sorry for the kid who had been watching trailers last year for Suicide Squad and thinking, "Oh, that looks fun." Mum, can I go see um, Suicide Squad? No, no, you can't. You're way too young to watch that. Oh, Lego Batman movie. I'll finally get to see Harley Quinn on screen. Uh, oh, she's t- <laughs> like again. I think Jenny Slate is amazing. I think she's really funny. Um, I like she's got quite a distinctive voice. Mm. Uh, this Harley Quinn was nothing, like nothing. You would have thought they would have maybe played up Harley Quinn, given yeah e- everything that they that they've done outside of this film, <laughs> and she just she dies a death. So, and here's my issue, because I, I, um, I can imagine this is a frustrating criticism to hear sometimes, but my thoughts on this movie were, instead of bringing in all of these non-Batman villains to have a Lego Dimensions brawl, could there not have been a different version of the script where the Joker is the last villain loose in Gotham, and Batman catches him, and 
he gets told, look, you can't lock him up with all of the rest of the villains because that's what he wants. He wants to be locked in with the rest of the villains in, in Arkham and then he's going to let them out and you're going to have all that trouble. And then Batman goes, no, 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 that I, this, no, you're wrong. I'm just going to lock him up because that's what I do with villains and then they all break out. So it's still Batman's hubris. You can still put a set a set piece in there like the Fortress of Solitude set piece. But then you're doing this same film with Batman villains and all of the jokes in the second half can be with Batman villains. So you could be making Riddler jokes and you could be making more Bane jokes and Two-Face jokes and Catwoman jokes. You can do all of that. I mean, and there's, you know, there's <clears throat> Penguin and Mr. Freeze and all of these that didn't even, they didn't even get celebrity voices. I mean, there. I do, I kind of want to defend the film slightly in this regard in that I think if you're making a kid's film... Like, kids don't care about seeing Batman villains. Like, if they yeah. given the choice of seeing Batman fight Daleks and dinosaurs and whatever the hell else they had, Voldemorts or whatever, like, the kids are always going to want to see that because that's cool. And that's and why this, I think like, it's... This a... Lego thing is pretty much the only environment in which you can do that. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> right, why right. I think... Listeners, I just want you to remember that this is the same James Hunt who was upset about the <laughs> X-Men show not really being an X-Men show <laughs> and is now advocating the Batman villains being taken well, out. This is, yeah, like, but, uh, this on, is this the thing. <laughs> it's a good, like, that's a good move for a kid's film. And I've seen, like, having a child who I'm, you know, bringing to the cinema every couple of months... Like I've seen a lot of bad children's films, and this isn't a bad children's film. Like it's a, also, it's not a great film, and it's not <laughs> necessarily entertaining for adults. But I promise you, the kids in the screening I saw were going nuts. We also, should address this, as well. This, it this seems film like the popular cool, reaction to this film is more in line with Seb than it is with me, me and you, James. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel definitely in the minority here, <laughs> not liking this film. I mean, I, I, I just, just thought we should have qualified that first. <laughs> I do just want to pick up slightly on the on the point about the Batman villains, just because this is not the Batman movie made of Lego. This is the Lego Batman movie, as yeah. in Lego Batman the character. And Lego Batman the character is established as existing in a universe that in which fiction crosses over. Now, admittedly, a lot of what I like about this film is when it's doing stuff that's specifically about Batman and the history of Batman. And even, I'm looking at, like, on the, the Wikipedia page, the main poster for the film is full of the Batman villains and DC characters, and it's not full of all the yeah, other extra it? characters that show up. What? Even so, I think if any film is justifiable in saying, what would it be like if you crossed Batman over with a load of other characters from other things, I think this is the film that's allowed yeah, to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that that is fair. I what I guess what I'm saying is... That's not what I wanted. Seb, <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned the DC characters there. Wasn't there a scene, in the, a shot in the trailers of like all of the Justice League teaming up and running together? Like I kept waiting for the Justice League to turn up again at the end of the film, and they never did either. Yeah. And like I kept thinking, like Superman's going to be annoyed that that Batman took the, <laughs> took the Phantom Zone thing, and I thought we we might again get some kind of Batman v Superman parody in the. I, I was somewhat film. annoyed that we got. General Zod, and it was the Terence Stamp design yes. of General Zod, but not actually him getting any dialogue or doing anything else in the film. That was a real shit. I kept expecting it was established he was in the Phantom Zone, and we didn't yeah, bring him down. And didn't bring him out, and it's like you—they'd actually given him the Terence Stamp costume as well. It was great. It was like, oh, we can forget about um, Michael Shannon's <laughs> version, but no. Uh, mm. I, yeah, I think I, I think I mean, that's probably the thing. But I mean, as much as I enjoyed this, there are definitely elements where I would think, "Oh, that's a bit of a missed opportunity," and definitely elements where 
they've spent a bit too long on a particular thing. And while while I like that it was crossing over with other things, some of them were baffling. Why did there need to be gremlins in it? That's that's yeah. a weird one. Why don't you go the whole there any, like do they even the Ghostbusters in or something? Do they even do Gremlins know? Lego? They they must they, do. They now. must do. <laughs> they must do. Um, um, but the Daleks yeah, I, aren't the same design of Daleks that you actually get in Lego. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I was wondering that because I was wondering whether, like, you were talking about the Joker's design, not liking it. I, I agree. I was wondering maybe that was just canon for what Lego Joker looks like. But no, there's been a bunch of different. Oh, yeah, just looking it up now. There's been yeah. There's there's a there's a there's an actual Lego Joker figure that looks much better. Than, than the one in the film. Why does he have pointy teeth? I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think... I I think I was possibly, and this might this might be what was colouring my judgement, but I was really looking forward to a film that we could really get our teeth into on this podcast and talk about all the ways that it kind of, um, in, in a kind of a fun, parodic way, uh, pokes fun at, elements of batman or looks at different elements from throughout the history because that's what i thought we'd got from the trailers which was mm. referencing all the previous movies and and um you know like and then introducing robin and looking i thought basically the family aspect was going to be that we got that would be like what everything in the film was like and i thought it was going to be an exploration of batman in lego um I guess it's fine that that's not what the film is, but it ended it, up. It really is in not, places. <laughs> not, it is in places. I don't think it is in the first twenty minutes. Um, the, the first twenty minutes felt like when you've got Commissioner Gordon stepping aside for Barbara Gordon to become the new commissioner. That felt like an episode of the animated TV show, or it felt like it felt like um, a thing that I'd seen, kind of, you know, spins on happening in Batman comics that I've read and. Once we, uh, I think once we go to the Fortress of Solitude, it feels like it stops being a Batman movie, um, and becomes something else entirely. And that's that's great that that some people have really enjoyed that. I mean, because I would say Seb as well. In terms of people who like the film, you're probably on the more tempered end of that. There are some people who really. Yeah, I mean, I'm it. I'm I'm four star rather than five star. I'll put it that mm. way. <laughs> Whereas like, I think James and I are probably closer to two three. Yeah. I'm I'm two. <laughs> two 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 for adults, three for kids. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I guess it's I guess it's more a case of frustration. The one thing that I will and I, I tweeted this immediately after the film because I'd I'd seen so many people making this point on Twitter. It's the best Batman movie ever. That's <laughs> that's that's yeah. fine if you think that. It's uh, first of all, it's not. <laughs> Second of all, it's not. It's not even really a Batman movie, so can we can we just discount it from the discussion when we're making those lists? Like it's 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 the second best Lego movie they've made so far, and after seeing the Ninjago trailer or however you say that, it looks like it'll probably remain the second best Lego movie that they've made so far. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really, really not not for me. Um, is is there anything more interesting to be said because it is the main thrust of the movie about the idea of the Bat family? Um, and especially, I, I guess, wondering where... Because I think this film will get a sequel. I think it's it's opened up top of the US box office this weekend um, ahead of Fifty Shades of Grey, which um, is impressive. Um, <laughs> that film, three stars for adults, two stars for kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, the same would apply for John Wick Part 2, which is, uh, <laughs> which is third in the box office. Um, yeah, d- given that they're probably going to be doing a sequel with this, is 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 there more in, in the comics or in the idea of, the, the, of Batman lore about the Bat family that you think would be fun to explore? Or should they be spinning off in a different direction for what they want to do with a sequel? I think if if they were going to do anything, I mean, it's interesting that this film is, um, you know, is about introdu- introducing Robin and such a young, wide-eyed Robin. I think something you could do with a Lego movie would be multiple Robins and like sort of start it at a point where Dick has grown up and been Robin, and there's also been Jason and Tim and Damien, and <laughs> like have have Damien as the current Robin, but have them all running around or something like that. Like I think I think when you're looking at those those aspects of Batman that are here are these all encompassing, you know, um, lot <coughs> different interpretations down the years. Like Robin is a textbook example of that. Um, so it, I think it, that would be quite a fun thing. To... <laughs> My. Uh... My suggestion for the sequel would just be to do Batman Inc. Like Batman as a brand. <laughs> yeah, Joe doesn't uh, know about Batman Inc. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I've I've heard of it. That's the end of the Grant Morrison stuff before they. Yeah, essentially, it, right? essentially, like Bruce Wayne sets up a company funding Batman around the world and takes vigilantes and says, like, you are the local Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman as a franchise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Batman as a franchise is a, another thing that I would have liked this film to have done. Um, yeah, I, I wonder whether maybe um, Seth Graham Smith and the guy who comes from working on Robot Chicken probably weren't... I, I probably should have should have been more... Uh, I should, my, my expectations probably should have been more, more in line with what the film is than what I thought the film was going to be. But... Uh, yeah, hopefully we've got. A di- I, I would, I would have my fingers crossed for a different creative team on the sequel to this. Um, Here, Rob yeah. Shrubbery. Yeah, bring bring Rob Shrub back now that he's not doing like our movie sequel. Okay, um, anything else that you guys want to mention before we draw this conversation to a close? Anything you particularly liked? Any characters? Any moments? Or uh, or dislikes? I guess the only thing I think we should mention is like this version of Batman is a very odd version like he's really like narcissistic and selfish and not very heroic that's yeah you haven't seen the lego movie james yeah (laughs) that's i mean this is the point i was saying before about how Mm. this is the lego batman movie this is a movie about lego batman and lego batman was established as that character (laughs) in the lego movie (laughs) although it's quite because apparently in in dimensions there is a scene where lego comma batman meets lego batman it's not voiced by will arnett but you basically have a lego figure of batman that is a much more traditional take on batman meeting that character in his hyper masculinity self-obsessedness and it's apparently quite funny i don't even want to know how much you have to pay for that content Yeah, you probably oh, buy about oof. three different add-on packs. And oh, that, I mean, I, I have been tempted Lego to... Dimensions is really expensive, you guys. Really <laughs> I expensive. I, ha- I had to look into this when they put the Red Dwarf location in the Fantastic Beasts oh. pack, and it would cost me about 80 quid to get the constituent parts in order to be Oof. able to briefly run around Red Dwarf as Doctor Who. Because so I haven't because bought it yet. You're paying not only for a video game, but also because it comes with physical figures, you're paying for actual Lego as well. And actual Lego real expensive you guys get on ebay after someone else has already built it that's, honestly that's the way to go your pieces Lego. missing buy dodgy pieces chinese missing, stuff that falls apart 
Um, okay, well, that was the Lego Batman movie then. Again, I'm sorry if we killed your guy's buzz. Um, I like <laughs> but, but yeah, Seb, Seb liked it an awful lot. Um, but yeah, we'll move on now to our uh, comic book recommendation section. So do you guys have any comics you want me to read based on um, the Lego Batman movie? Uh, Seb, can um, you go first, yeah? Yeah, well, you you didn't think that this was necessarily a really funny superhero movie, which rather defeats the premise of my recommendation. (laughs) But I want to recommend you the funniest superhero comic um, I have ever read, uh, which is formerly known as The Justice League. Um, So I believe a long time ago, I can't remember what film it was in relation to, uh, but I got you to read the first volume of the Giffen and DeMattis Justice League International. Yeah, You did. Maybe Batman v Superman, who knows? (laughs) Uh, So this is a series from 2003 that brings back several of those characters. Um, Not all of them because the lineup of the team had changed by the time the original run ended. Um, But it brings back a bunch of characters from that run, um, plus Mary Marvel, who takes over from Captain Marvel. Um, and puts them together as a new team called the Super Buddies that Maxwell Lord has formed because he wants to create a superhero team that's accessible to the everyman. So they have like a 1-800 number that you can phone up to hire them. Um, So it's like um, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Elongated Man, Fire, Captain Atom and some others. And it's uh, just a six. I, I think it helps that you know the characters a little bit, but I don't. It stands alone really well. You don't really need to know anything. What you need to know about their history is explained by the series, and all you really need to know is they used to be in the Justice League, and they're mostly a bit rubbish. Um, it's by the, all the same team that originally did Justice League International. It's Keith Giffen, James Dematis, and Kevin Maguire. And it is just relentlessly hilarious. I just, I love it so much. It's so funny. And I'm probably setting myself up for a fall and that you'll probably read it and hate it. But um, it's just a really funny piece of character comedy. And it's just, yeah, laugh a minute. It's brilliant. Excellent. Okay, well, I enjoyed the JLA that you recommended. So fingers crossed I uh, enjoy that one as well. James, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, it's also a comedic comic. Um, It's one you thought you'd gotten away with. But oh, no. <laughs> uh, we have just watched a film based on a comic, uh, based on a toy of a comic. So you are now going to read a comic based on a film of a toy, which is Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, Volume 1. Oh, yes. we finally got there. Yeah. We finally found a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and like we've... I'm sure we've talked about this a lot. We've definitely talked about it a lot offline. Basically, we, we, we've got ten minutes of Al Kennedy talking about yeah. it on our Thought Bubble yeah. special. More than meets the eye is one of the best comic series being published, though it's now changed name to Transformers: Lost Light. Um, everyone should read it, in spite of the fact that it's a Transformers book. If this was not a Transformers book, it would be winning awards left, right, and center. The fact that it and is I, being I, overlooked because this before, of that. But- I have no interest, unlike James, I have no interest in Transformers ever, but I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. So I look forward I'm, I'm to seeing forward what you make of that. I'm looking forward to the new um, Transformers movie that's coming out soon as well. Um, I think it's called Power Rangers. <laughs> that should be good. <laughs> Dinobots. We're not covering that on the podcast, are we? <laughs> no, we are not. Good. No. I might. Sorry, guys, but we're not. Yeah, James can do a bonus episode on his own. I should point Power out, Rangers. Power Rangers were my favourite toy as a kid. I loved them. I had all the Zords. I assembled them almost every day. But I don't want to see a serious take on the Power Rangers no, in 2017. <laughs> no, thank even, you. Even with Elizabeth Banks in? 
even with Elizabeth Banks, who apparently might be a former Green Ranger gone rogue. (laughs) (sighs) Someone walked in with that logline and got $5 million for the script. (laughs) We'll move on now to our final section, which is the pitch. Um, And before you listen to our next episode, listeners, we will have had the 89th Academy Awards. Um, So... What's become an increasing trend in the past few years with people like Brie Larson and Jared Leto is that someone even nominated or winning one of the acting awards is the new hot thing that has to get signed by a superhero movie. So you guys, I want to know which of this year's acting nominees at the Oscars is most likely, do you think, to be cast in a superhero movie in the next couple of years? Um, and fan cast who you might like to see them play. Can I and, just point uh, Jay- out, like, oh, uh, a surprising percentage of the people getting up for best actor, supporting actor, actress, or supporting actress have already been in superhero been properties. In. <laughs> this was quite yeah, well, difficult. I looked at the list, it was like, oh, oh, and then I thought, oh, Ruth Negger, oh, wait, she's already been in one. It's just, she's been in two. Yeah. Andrew Garfield, yeah. Emma Stone, <laughs> Natalie Portman, Nicole Kidman, just cast in Aquaman. And Viola Davis. Um, <laughs> there's hey, there's still a fair few to choose from. You, you can choose one of the ones that has already been in one. Well, luckily, like a, I've I've chosen one who isn't already in one. Oh, who have you gone for, James? I've gone for Dev Patel. Oh God damn I, it, so have I. I would like to see him <laughs> as Pavita Prapaka, the Indian Spider-Man. <laughs> I knew that was going to be the Indian Spider-Man because I couldn't think of anyone else who it could have been. <laughs> Yeah. Is that fair? How many Indians? How many Indian characters are there in? Ah, I in could. Comics? I almost went for Thunderbird. He was a uh, the Thunderbird two. Sorry, who is not two. a rocket or whatever. <laughs> he is. Uh, <laughs> he's the big green yeah. one. He's an it's Indian one. with uh, <laughs> fire powers. Who was briefly in the X Men, uh, but no, he's a bad character. Pavita Prabhakar is also a bad character, but a slightly better one. <laughs> okay, so Dev Patel playing Indian Spider-Man, and presumably in the Spider-Verse Spider-Man. movie, which I will personally write and direct. Well, it's, it's, it's Spider-Man: Homecoming to Spider-Verse, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, Dev Patel is Indian Spider-Man. It sounds like you stole Seb's first half of his answer. Are you going Dev Patel as well? I am going Dev Patel as well. I think if you look down that list of and and look at people who haven't yet been in a superhero movie. Dev Patel is the obvious option of someone who undoubtedly will be casting one at some point. It's obviously <laughs> where he's headed. Yeah. Uh, but I I went I I'd like to think I went a little bit more, bit more interesting than James. I did also want to cast him in a Spider-Man film. I think he should be in Spider-Man: Homecoming too. Um, and I think when Peter Parker goes to college he should meet now i don't know if we'd have to change the name i don't think we would i think these are modern times um i think he should meet um a slightly older guy who becomes his best friend called harry osborne played by death yeah. patel <laughs> james you know that's better than your answer. <laughs> <laughs> i love that i mean Dev patel is a lot older than um, not that much he's Holland. only about five five or six years old I, I, I was i thought he was about 30 by now but he's 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 not um, he's only about 26. Guys, have you guys seen Lion that he's nominated for? No, no I read the I read the article it's based on and that's enough, frankly. <laughs> have, you seen the, have you seen the pictures, the trailers maybe? Dev Patel got sexy, you guys, <laughs> with his hair and his beard and he's big and buff now. 
Dev Patel is an action hero waiting to happen. I would I would say cast him as Captain Britain in uh, oh, Infinity that was War. That was my other thoughts was that he could be <laughs> Can I change my answer to that? <laughs> um I would say the, the other the other people on that list that I that I thought would be interesting, I mean I could imagine maybe Vigo Mortensen or Denzel Washington being cast in one of those Robert Redford kind of roles in the MCU. Jeff Bridges too. Like, yeah, I could absolutely see that. I don't think Isabel Huppert is going to be showing up in, in oh, any of these Oh, uh, damn. I meant to say Casey Affleck as Thomas Wayne, and I forgot. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't say <laughs> Casey Affleck because, you know... Well, yeah, for obvious reasons. Like he can still be cast in films. We just don't need to shower him with awards, I think. Even though he's just one more. <laughs> um, well, yeah, prob- probably by the time people listen to this he's won the best actor award but Denzel was making a late push you never know um, and I'd also see I'd like also like to see Naomi Harris back in she's uh, she's hopefully being held for the Dark Tower franchise where I would love to see her playing Susanna <laughs> um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one it's probably not going to happen but I'll be I'll be delighted if it does um, yeah by by a comfortable margin Seb wins this week I love that idea I love Dev Patel as uh as Harry Osborn, hopefully doing better villain than he gave in The Last Airbender. <laughs> Not his fault. M. Night Shyamalan getting his second reference in two podcasts. <laughs> you go, M. The Night. check should clear any day now. <laughs> okay, but that is it for this week's podcast. If you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And you can support us at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. Do we have any Patreon stuff to do? Uh, we just quickly Patreon. I'd like to thank Peter Byrne for his two dollar pledge. Um, we're looking at maybe revamping the Patreon soon. So yeah, we'll we'll keep your keep your eye on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, I've I've forgot to mention this the other week, but a comic that I edited is available on Comicsology. Um, oh. It's written by Abigail Brady. It's called Trans Realities. Um, you should go and buy it if you want to. You know, if you like superheroes, and I imagine you do. <laughs> because you're here it's only 69 pence which i believe is 99 cents in america uh for the moment anyway (laughs) (laughs) could change soon uh so yeah issue one is available now um issues two to five coming in the rest of the year fantastic um and listeners should have heard a little bit about that on our thought bubble episode at, at thought bubble um and I kept meaning to pick up a copy and then didn't, so I will definitely be hopping onto Comicsology to do that myself. Um, so great, listeners, um, you should all do that as well. Um, how do we finish off? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so all that remains to be said after that then is that you can get in touch with us via Facebook on Twitter at cu underscore podcast, where you can tell us how unfair we were, apart from Seb on the Lego Batman movie, and Emmy who liked Alfred a lot. And you can send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Nature made me a freak, man made me a weapon, and God made it last too long. Cinematic Universe returns in two weeks' time with Logan. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 